Thanks for listening to another life-transforming message from the team here at C3 Southwest Washington. To find out more about our church, visit c3swwa.com. Hey church family, many of you already know that Rowena and I will be taking some time off in August, but not to worry, we'll be enjoying some of the best speakers on the planet, and you can expect our normal Sunday morning live stream on Facebook and YouTube, as well as our live stream watch parties and our Sunday uh, 5.30 live gathering, all of which will be awesome as always. That being said, let's dive into our series, The Best Worst. In Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, we read these words, You planned evil against me, but God used those same plans for my good. These were the words Joseph expressed to his brothers some 15 years after they sold him into a human trafficking ring, which led to him becoming a slave in the house of Potiphar, which led then to his incarceration. And then through a bizarre twist of events, he found himself before Pharaoh to interpret a God-given dream about an upcoming drought. When Pharaoh saw the touch of God on his life to interpret the dream and the wisdom he possessed, he placed Joseph in charge of the entire plan to keep the nation from experiencing famine, which then brought him back together with his brothers who needed food. And as they stood before him, they were afraid for their lives. And after all they did to Joseph, they should have been. But Joseph saw the hand of God in it all. He saw the best in spite of the very worst. And he went on to express a profound biblical truth when he said, you planned evil against me, but God used those same plans for my good. Our series, The Best Worst, leans into this very idea that God is able to do some of his very best work in our lives during some of the very worst of circumstances. So today, I want you to grab your Bible, your pen, your paper, and enjoy this special message from Pastor Drew Davies, who with his wife, Emma, are planting a C3 church in Seattle, Washington. You know that Drew is a close friend who has served here in our local house, and you will absolutely appreciate the word he has prepared for you today. Enjoy. Hey, C3 Southwest Washington. So great to be with you today. Pastor Drew here from Hope Village Church up in Seattle. Hey, before I say anything else, I wanna take a moment to honor your pastors, Pastor Steve, Pastor Rowena, two of the greatest people in the world. You are in a great, great church. And I know you already know that, but I'm just saying that to you today. But it's such a real privilege for me to be sharing with you this message today online. And uh, I'm gonna preach to you today from one of my favorite films. This film has I'd say it's shaped my life. It's certainly shaped uh, my, my, my childhood, my adolescent years. And I'm not talking about Braveheart. I'm not talking about Rocky. I'm not even talking about Titanic. I'm talking about the film Dumb and Dumber. Dumb and Dumber. Some of you hopefully are familiar with it. But there's this scene in Dumb and Dumber where Lloyd, Jim Carrey, has just been robbed by a sweet old lady on a motorized cart. He's come home to his trashy apartment and he falls to the ground. And he says to Harry, I've got no food, got no jobs, our pet's heads are falling off. <laughs> and it's a funny scene, and you know, for the sake of like the, for the sake of the illustration, okay, I know you and I have not had necessarily a moment where our pet's heads are falling off, okay? But I think you and I would all agree that we've had rock bottom moments in our life. Just like 
Lloyd in Dumb and Dumber. And I can remember when I was 16, I was working at a, a fast food restaurant. And this was not a good fast food restaurant. You got Red Robin, you got McDonald's, you got Taco Bell, then you got this restaurant, which I'm not gonna say for legal reasons. But I remember when I was 16, getting fired from this job because I wasn't a good fit, they said. Okay, um, I moved on, my life got better. But I remember walking home as a 16 year old feeling like such a failure, such a, a rock bottom moment of my life. I can remember being 18, losing my driver's license. I had this problem where I thought I was Vin Diesel and The Fast and the Furious was a big film at the time and so I felt like I was entitled to drive like Vin Diesel, but apparently you're not allowed to do that. So I can remember getting the bus, getting the train, walking. It's pretty, pretty when, you've, when you've been driving for a couple of years and, and you have to do that, it's pretty embarrassing, it's pretty humbling. Just a rock bottom moment of my life, losing my driver's license. Now the next one's not funny, so don't laugh. But I remember seven years ago, just after my daughter had been born, Georgia, Emma getting quite sick and having to go to the hospital. And the doctor's not sure about what's gonna happen here. They, they thought she might have a blood condition. They thought she may have had a blood condition called sepsis, which kills a lot of people. And I can remember, it was the 4th of July. I can remember it so clearly. I was laying in bed, holding my, my, my brand new baby girl. She's a month, just over a month old. To hear the fireworks going off and I had to look at her and hear the fireworks and people having fun and I thought to myself, golly, this is, this, this, is a, this is a tough moment. My wife's in the hospital. I haven't seen her all day. I don't know what she's going through. Doctors don't know what's wrong with her. 30 or 40% chance that she could die from what could be this disease. So we've all had rock bottom moments in our lives. And life is going to have low moments in it. Bad things happen. And sometimes they are the results of our poor choices. And then sometimes it's just life. It's just life. Things happen. Bad things happen to good people. I'm not trying to be negative. I'm just telling you the truth. Bad things happen to good people. So today I'm not talking so much about how do we avoid bad things happening to us. I'm talking about how do we respond when bad things happen to us. So the title of my message today for all the, the note takers is the rock bottom response. Let me pray and let's kick this off. God, I thank you for everybody watching today online. I thank you, God, that right now you're going to speak to people that there could be somebody today who feels like they're in a rock bottom moment. But I want to encourage them today that they're going to get through their rock bottom moment. Bless every person watching. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, let's kick off the story today of Job in Job chapter 1, verse 1. It says this, There was a man named Job who lived in the land of Uz. He was blameless, a man of complete integrity. He feared God and he stayed away from evil. So that verse talks about who Job is. He's a, he's a good guy. Job's a good guy. He had seven sons and three daughters, which is a lot of children. That's a lot. That's, that's, that's Brady Bunch on steroids. He had 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camel, 500 oxen, 500 donkeys, many servants. He was, in fact, the richest person in the entire area. So th those two verses there, verse 2 and 3, talk about what Job had. 
So basically, Job was a baller. Job was making it rain, hail, and shine. He was killing it. Now, to summarize verse 4 through to verse 6, it talks about how awesome Job's family is, how awesome Job was as a father. Basically, the bottom line is this. Life was really good for our friend Job. Now let's skip down to verse 13. One day when Job's sons and daughters were feasting at the oldest brother's house, a messenger arrived with this news. Your oxen were plowing with the donkeys when the Sabaeans raided us. They stole all the animals and killed all the farmhands. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. Verse 16, while he was still speaking, another person arrived. Person number two shows up, knocks on the door and says, I've got some bad news for you. The fire of God has fallen from heaven and burned up all your sheep and all the shepherds. While he was still speaking, a third person comes. He says, three bands of the, of the Chaldean raiders have stolen your camels and killed your servants. And while he was still speaking, a fourth person comes up. How bad is this? This is the worst day of all time. A fourth person arrives and says, hey, uh, I've got some bad news for you. Your sons and daughters were feasting in, their oldest bro- in your oldest brother's home. Suddenly a powerful wind swept in from the wilderness and hit the house from both sides. The house collapsed and all of your children are dead. And I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. So Job stood up, he tore his robe in grief, he shaved his head, and he fell to the ground to worship. Job said this, he said, I came naked from my mother's womb, and I'll be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had, and the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. That's a bad day right there. Next time you're having a bad day because you stubbed your toe or you got a speeding ticket, just remember, what happened to Job on the worst day of his life. But it gets worse. It gets worse. I'm sorry, it does. Job 2 verse 7. Uh, here we go. So now Job, gets, now Job gets sick. It gets worse. So here we go. Satan strikes Job with terrible boils from head to foot. Job scrapes his skin with a piece of broken pottery as he sits among the ashes. And his wife says to him, Are you still trying to maintain your integrity? Curse God and die. But Job replied, you talk like a foolish woman. (laughs) I feel for Job here, guys. I feel for him. He has lost everything. Now he's losing his health. All that Job has left is his wife and she's nagging him. I mean, seriously. Then, Then he says, should we accept only good things from the hand of God and never anything bad? So in all of this, Job said nothing wrong. Okay, so let's put the, the story on pause for a moment here. Job was a good guy. We've talked about earlier that, that sometimes bad things happens, happen to good people. And like I said before, today we're not trying to talk about how do you and I avoid bad things happening. We're talking about how do you and I respond when bad things happen? How do we respond to these rock bottom moments in life? In 2020, how are you going to respond to the rock bottom moments in your life. So I have three points to this message today. The first point is this, for you and I, not to lose our perspective. Don't lose your perspective. One thing we cannot lose in the most difficult moments of our lives is our perspective. The question I would ask myself in 2020 especially is, where does my mind go to in my low moments? Where do I look to? 
You see, what the devil would love more than anything else in the world is to get your eyes off of God, to get your eyes off of the Word of God, to get your eyes off of the promises of God. He would want you to get your eyes so low. He wants to get your eyes away from faith, away from hope, and into despair, into fear, into anxiety, into depression. But Psalm 121 says this, I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. If you only get one thing from my message today, can it be that scripture? For you to lift your eyes, even when it's hard, even when 2020 may not be working out the way you thought it was going to. Can you lift your eyes today? I want to encourage someone today. Can you lift your eyes the devil wants you to look down, but God wants you to lift your eyes to him. Someone say amen in church today. You know, Proverbs 3 verse 5 says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. There are some things in life that we will never understand. And that's okay. I will never understand how Chick-fil-A makes the most delicious Chick-fil-A sauce of all time. I'm never going to get it. And I don't need to understand it in order for me to enjoy the deliciousness of Chick-fil-A sauce. I'm never going to totally understand why whenever you go into a public bathroom, why it's always wet. I'm not sure what happens in there. I don't know who was in there earlier. I'm never going to understand that. I'm never going to understand how my car works. And that's okay. I know when I get in my car, I press the button, it's going to start. Here's the thing. We don't need to understand something entirely in order for it to work. And we don't need to understand God entirely in order to trust Him. And I'm not talking about trusting God when everything is great. I'm talking about trusting God when everything's not great. Trusting God when you're in your rock bottom moment. And I would say this, I wonder this, I wonder this today. Sometimes when we are at our rock bottom moments, we often ask the wrong question. Our perspective gets us in the wrong question. And we ask God why, when we should be asking God what. Instead of asking God, why is this happening to me? Maybe the question we should be asking God is, what are you trying to do in me? What are you trying to do in me? Is it possible that the very rock bottom thing in your world that you have thought is going to ruin you, that you're asking why about, is actually the thing that's gonna make you. But you need to shift your perspective. Your eyes need to shift from why to what. Friend, there are things that are formed in us, in our rock bottom moments, that won't be formed if we ask the question why, instead of the question what. Don't lose your perspective in the valley. Don't lose your perspective in 2020. Keep your perspective right. Keep it on the Word of God. Keep it on the promises of God. Keep trusting God, even when it does not necessarily make sense all the time. And remind yourself of this, Romans 8.28. We know that all things God works for the good of those who love Him who have been called according to his purpose. That's good news for somebody today. So number one, don't lose your perspective. My second point is this, don't lose 
your praise. Don't lose your praise. Don't lose your praise in your rock bottom moments. The Bible says that when Job lost it all, that he fell to the ground in worship. Did you know that praise is so important? Praise and worship is so, so important. The reason why it's important is because it's God's word in our mouth. What, what you need to not, not miss about this today is that praise and worship is powerful because it puts God's word into your mouth. And when God's word can go into your mouth, it can go into your circumstances and into the, into the situations that you find yourself in. Praise and worship, my friend, is a lifestyle. It's not 20 minutes on a Sunday. Praise and worship is a lifestyle. What songs do you play in your rock bottom moment? What is the soundtrack to your 2020? If 2020 had a soundtrack, what would those songs be? What are you singing? What are you confessing with your mouth in 2020? You know, you know the, the music industry has made it very easy for us to throw ourselves a pity party. There, there's, there is a, a plethora of songs out there to help you and I be sad. You know what I'm talking about. You're having the greatest day of all time. You wake up, the sun is out, the birds are chirping, the weather is perfect. You go to get into your car, you thought you needed gas, but your spouse gassed up the car yesterday. You just bought yourself an extra five minutes. You stop by your favorite coffee shop, your favorite barista's on. You buy your latte. They say, you know what, it's on us today. You're here all the time, it's on us. You're having the greatest day of all time. Then you hop back in your car and you turn the radio on and REM comes on. Everybody hurts sometimes. And all of a sudden, your mood goes from here down to there. What do you sing? What do you sing if you're Job and someone knocks on your door? You just lost your company. And somebody else comes and knocks on your door. All your bank accounts are gone. Someone's hacked in, they've taken all the money, it's gone. Then somebody else knocks on your door. The bank's here, they want the keys to your house, your boat, everything. Then somebody else knocks on your door. And they say, hey, your, your kids have all died in, in, in a freak accident. What do you sing? I'm so inspired by Job because he still praised God despite what he went through. He still praised God despite his circumstances. That's amazing. I'm reminded of the story in the Bible of Paul and Silas in prison. They're in prison. Probably the last thing they wanted to do was to praise God. They had probably a decent excuse to throw themselves a pity party and say, you know what, I'm not praising God right now. But could it be that the most important time to praise God is not when you're on your hilltop, but when you're in your valley? Could it be that the most essential time for you to worship God is not so much when life is going well, but when it's going badly, when you've lost your job or you've lost your business or your kids aren't going to school now and they're home all day and they're driving you crazy. <laughs> That's the most important time. My friend, don't lose your praise in 2020. Don't lose your perspective. Don't lose your praise. Now, for this final story, for this final point rather, I'm gonna bring in a special guest, the prodigal son. Maybe you've heard the story. 
But let's, let's, read the, let's read the story of the prodigal son. In Luke 15, it says this. Jesus tells them a story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share in your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. Now, a few days later, his younger son moved and packed up all of his belongings. He moved to a distant land. He moves out to Vegas. He says, Dad, I'm out of here. I'm gone. I'm, I'm leaving. Washington State, I'm going to Vegas. I'm gonna go party. We'll go party with, with all the homies. So off he goes. He wastes his money in wild living. Him and his guys, they waste it. They're on TikTok, they're dancing. They're living the life for a, for a short amount of time. Verse 14. About the time his money ran out, a great famine sweeps the land and he begins to starve. He persuades a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him in the field to feed the pigs. This young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding to the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, but here I am dying of hunger. Ouch. I'll go home to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please make me a hired servant. So here we have the prodigal son's rock bottom moment. We've talked about Lloyd, Jim Carrey, his rock bottom moment. We've talked about Job, his rock bottom moment. And now we're talking about the prodigal son's rock bottom moment. You see, what happened to the prodigal son here was his rock bottom moment caused him to say these words, I'm going to go back to my father's house and ask him to be a servant. The tragedy of the prodigal son's story and this, the tragedy of his rock bottom moment was that he no longer saw himself as a son. Rather, he saw himself as a servant. Now, verse 20. So he returned home to his father. While he's a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son. He embraced him, he kissed him. And his son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe, put it on him. Get a ring for his finger, sandals for his feet. Kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. The son of mine, not servant, son. The son of mine was dead, but now he's returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. Let the party begin. Don't lose your perspective. Don't lose your praise. The third point is don't lose your position. Remember in 2020, above all, you are a son or a daughter, not a servant. You're a son or a daughter. Now, the end of the story for Job, spoiler alert, works out really well. Let's see, let's see how it ends. Job 42, verse 12. So the Lord blessed Job in the second half of his life, even more than the beginning. For now he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camel, 1,000 oxen, 1,000 female donkeys. He also gave Job seven more sons and three more daughters. Now skip to verse 16. Job lived 140 years 
after that, living to see four generations of his children and his grandchildren. And then he died, an old man who had lived a long and full life. My friend, if you're watching this today, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. God restored back to Job not only what he lost, but he restored back to Job double for his trouble. I know for some people, 2020 may not have gone the way you intended it. And I know for some people, you identify as someone who is very much so at their rock bottom moment. But please, I'm telling you, in these moments, don't lose your perspective. Don't let your eyes go down. Keep your eyes on God. Don't lose your praise. Come on, turn off that radio and put some worship on. Put, put the right words in your mouth. And don't lose your position. Don't think for a moment that you're not worthy to be called a son or a daughter of God. Maybe you're far from God right now. Maybe you've trailed from God. Maybe you are the prodigal son or daughter and you're far from God. My friend, today would be the greatest day. The greatest day to say, you know what? I want to come back into relationship with Christ. I'm far from God. I've wandered off. I've asked for my inheritance and I've moved to Vegas to party. But I've realized that I want to be back in my father's house again. If that's you today, be so cool to pray for you right now. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you, Lord, for anybody watching today who could be far from you. Anybody who is feeling like the prodigal son or the prodigal daughter that I just described. And if you're watching this today, I'd love for you to repeat these words after me if you're far from God, if you're far from God and you want to come back into relationship with him. Say these words, dear heavenly Father, I come to you today as a sinner, as someone who has fallen short. God, forgive me. I want, to, I want you to be my saviour and I want you to be my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, leaders, and what we do at C3 Church, visit our website at c3swwa.com.